It's the subject that many of us are guilty of ignoring, and one that recent research proves that most of us don't really understand. According to the Pensions and Lifetime Savings Associations hitting the target report, 80% of us aren't sure that we're saving the right amount for retirement, and 51% of savers wrongly think that the auto-enrollment minimum pension contribution level is the government's recommended amount. My name is Alex Janio, and to discuss how to get people saving, I'm joined by James Walsh, Policy Lead on Engagement and EU at the PLSA. James, the Hitting the Target report came out last month. How have you perceived the response to the paper? Yeah, thanks, Alex. I think the response has been really positive, actually. Uh, Positive both of our uh, headline idea, if you like, about retirement income targets, which is all about giving people an easier way to understand how much to save for their retirement. And also, it's been very positive about the wider policy ideas we've been putting forward uh, as well. There's a real sense that we're building consensus now around our proposals. Sure. I mean, the paper recommends that the minimum level of auto-enrolment contributions be lifted to 12% on an equal basis between the employer and the employee. What do you think is deterring savers from currently raising their contributions? Yeah, well, there is a really big problem here. I mean, uh, you'll have seen the stats, I'm sure, and certainly, uh, certainly our research shows that over half of savers, 13 million people, uh, are unlikely to save enough to hit the Pension Commission's target replacement ratio in retirement. And for people who are only saving in DC schemes, who don't have any DB entitlement at all, it's just 3% of people who are on target for that you know, definition of what you might call a, a decent income. Now, of course, financial pressures on households are a big deal, and that may well be a key reason why a lot of people aren't saving that much for retirement. But there is also a lot of confusion. Uh, as you were hinting, we know that a lot of people, about half of people, in fact, think that the government's auto-enrollment minimum level is actually some kind of recommended government level for what would get you to a decent income. Uh, So there's a real misperception there. So we do want the government to raise minimum incomes, uh, minimum uh, contribution levels for auto-enrollment. We're suggesting to 12%, but it can't happen overnight. So we've got to take our time a little bit over this. And we've actually set out a roadmap in our Hitting the Target report that shows how you could do this between 2025 and 2030. Sure. And what are the other initiatives out there that appeal to you right now? Well, a lot of people talk about things like the the Nest sidecar, for example. I know about something that's sort of floating around as a bit of a hot policy idea. Uh, Certainly something that's that's worth looking at. But we do think we need to have some more research done into ideas that would help us tackle this problem of ensuring people don't oversave if they're perhaps on quite low incomes, and also giving people some flexibility so that they can save enough. The sidecar could be one of the answers to that problem or perhaps one of the solutions. Another idea might be what we call opt-down, which is allowing people to opt down for a period from saving uh, uh, their minimum rate down to a lower level for a while and then go up again. But we've got to be a little careful about not building too much complexity into the pension saving system. And we've also got to be sure that any ideas we put in place actually do work and achieve the objective. So a bit more research to do. Sure. And what about lower earners, James? And might they be better off be keeping their contributions at a slightly lower level? Well, perhaps. And it's a, it's a crucial uh, issue. But, you know, the evidence is quite unclear here. I mean, when you start to look into this problem, you find that lots of people on lower earnings are only temporarily on the lower earnings. Or perhaps they've got some other source of income to draw on. So it's not a simple problem and we really do need to understand uh, the the statistics. But yes, there may well be a case for some additional flexibility, just give people a bit more uh, room for manoeuvre. So when they're under particular pressure, 
they can perhaps uh, tweak their pension saving levels down a little bit. But the absolutely important thing that we've got to keep in mind is that is the big prize. Now, we're trying to give people a better income in retirement. That is a long term thing. And you know, we've got to keep that as the primary objective of public policy. If we add too many complications, too many opportunities to reduce saving, we might not achieve that big long term goal. And finally, what about those who wouldn't fall under the initiative, such as the self-employed? Well, uh, the self-employed are, are, are probably the hardest nut to crack of all the groups that aren't covered at the moment. I mean, there's the gig economy workers, uh, the under 21s. And in our Hitting the Target report, we set out ways in which we could bring those groups into the auto-enrolment system. But no one has yet come up with a really simple and effective way of bringing the self-employed in as well. Even last year's auto-enrolment review wasn't able to come up with a a solution to this. It is a massive problem. We know that only 12% of the self-employed are actually saving into a personal pension. So we clearly can't just leave this, you know, in the politician's usual way, park it in the too difficult tray. That's just not going to work. I haven't got a a ready-made solution to bring to you today, but I think we can see the elements that might form uh, the basis of a policy. First, whatever we do has got to give self-employed workers a feeling that they're in control, because these are people who really value control of their own destiny, of their own finances. Um, It's got to uh, take account of the fact that they've got to be able to trust the provider, uh, because we know that self-employed people are often quite distrustful of of government so trust in the provider is key and the third thing is it's got to be flexible you know if you're self-employed your earnings are probably unpredictable there may be a bit of a roller coaster so you've got to have a savings vehicle or a savings mechanism that provides that flexibility so control trust flexibility we can build those three elements into whatever solution we might hit upon we'll be getting somewhere well that's all we've got time for thanks very much for your time today james and for more information on saver behavior please visit pensions-expert.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.